Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks, April, for leading us in that prayer. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. I uh, wasn't sure if I should do this or not, but this is a test of your worldliness. If you can finish this, if, if you can hear this song playing in your head, then you're probably too worldly, so you need to repent. I hope my legs don't break walking on the... I hope my legs don't break walking on the moon. Who said that? <laughs> we'll pray for Pete. It's good to be here with you this morning. My name is Pastor David. I am your new lead pastor. Yikes. Uh, Frank and Andrea Struth and their family are here this morning. You have them to blame or them to thank for making it possible for us to get here because they let us rent their house. So we thank you very much, Frank and Andrea. When Frank kind of phoned me out of the blue and asked if, you know, or said, hey, this, this might be a possibility for you to rent our house. And I said, I have three boys who play hockey. Are you sure you want us in your house? Anyway, I think we're, not too many things are broken. <laughs> No, we appreciate you, Frank and Andrea. Um, yeah, just continuing my series on Colossians. And last week we talked about uh, Christ. Paul describes Christ as this supernova, you know, the supernova type description of Christ. And today I want to continue with that thought. And I, my, my sermon title this morning is From Wonder to Work. And we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, to chapter 2, verse 5. And the one thing I want you to walk out with this morning, if I survive walking on the moon, it looks great, it looks awesome. You know, I actually, that reminds me of something I wanted to say as well. You know, you guys are very fortunate. You have an amazing church body. What you guys are doing and have done and are continuing to do, you all need to be commended. And you're doing a good job. I mean, when I saw the number of volunteers, and I know there's people from other churches coming in, but you're working together on a VBS. There's a lot of churches who have just given up on stuff because it's too much work, can't find volunteers, people aren't coming anymore. Um, but you guys aren't giving up. I think that's to be praised. You give yourself a pat on the back. Good job. I'm excited to be a part of your team. Anyway, where was I? The one thing I want you to walk away with today is that it's hard work to tend our faith and to keep our faith alive and healthy. Gain in your walk with Christ is probably going to mean some pain. 
Staying focused on Christ is hard work. So a bit of a review where we've come. Paul's purpose in this book, as I read the book of Colossians, is stay focused on Christ. Don't get off track. And last week, as I said, we talked about this description that Paul gives of Christ as this supernova-type description, this incredible picture of Christ as sustainer, as creator, as our redeemer, as our savior, and all these wonderful things we have because of Christ. I made the point, something of power, like a big steam engine tractor, can't be ignored. Something of power can't be ignored. Even if you try, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in your face. And to go along with the theme of, of the stars and space, uh, I want to talk for a minute about a, a black hole, an incredible thing of power in our universe. You know what a black hole is? It's this thing in space. They think it's probably a collapsed star that is so massive. It has so much gravity. Not even light can escape a black, black hole. Anything that gets too close to a black hole, including light, gets sucked in. So the question, they think they found a bunch of them. How can you find something you can't see? <laughs> because all the light gets sucked into it. How do they know it's there? Its gravity is so powerful that it affects stars and planets and asteroids and comets. They can see the effects of its gravity. They can't see the black hole, but they can see the effects of its gravity. It's this thing of incredible power. It will make an impact. It will make a mark, even if you close your eyes. Christ is like that. If you come close to him, if you see him, you will be impacted. It will make a difference. So that's what Paul talked about last week, what we looked at. Christ as this incredible force of power, this cosmic creator, sustainer, redeemer. Wonder. Our response to that is wonder. Our response to that is is faith, is worship. And I think we, we made an appropriate response last week just to worship, to look at Christ. But this week we'll see how Paul's response to who Christ is and what he has done is not only to wonder and to worship, but also to work, to strive, to battle, to press in. And I think as we look at the scripture this morning, we'll see just how hard we need to work to keep our eyes in Christ. Because there are so many things in our life, in our minds, in the world around us, constantly trying to uproot our faith. Has anyone felt that? Recently, their faith being just, you feel like you're a weed being pulled out of the garden. I felt that this week. I felt like I'm trying to hang on. I'm trying to root myself, but I can feel these forces, some of them internal, some of them in the world around me. I feel like my faith is being pulled apart. I'm being ripped out of the ground. Today, we'll see how hard we have to work. So my dad's a pastor. Hi, dad. Hi, mom. I know they're going to be watching at some point. I wonder if my dad will remember, when I was probably about 15 or 16, I I asked my dad a question. I said, Dad, this fruits of the Spirit thing, does that just naturally come out of me? Or is it something I read about and then I try and do? Which is it, Dad? And he said, yes. He said, it's both. 
As you read the Word of God, you see what godly character is like. You read about the fruits of the Spirit. And you look at your own life and say, man, I'm coming up short. And you start to work towards it. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in you and strengthens you and guides you and leads you. But we don't, just to get, we don't get to just sit back in our Christian walk and just hope things get better. We have to work. Last week, we looked at the wonder of Christ. And as I said, <clears throat> our appropriate response last week was to worship. <clears throat> Excuse me. But does that mean we get to sit back the rest of our life and everything else will just magically focus on Christ? Nothing will get us off track? No. That would make absolutely no sense to Paul. If you look at Paul's writing, it's filled with language about working and striving and, and trying and battling. So what must go along our worship of Christ? It's not enough just to wonder. It's not enough just to see him. That's part of the process. It's necessary, but it's not enough. What goes hand in hand with wonder is work. One of the dangers I think that many Christians face is this idea of arrival or this idea of I've done my part, I've done enough, I've paid my dues, my time of work is over. We can become stale. I don't want to judge anyone, but often that's people whose hair resembles the color of the surface of the moon. <laughs> and I, I'm with you because I'm noticing more and more gray. But I'm also noticing how it's easy for me as I get older to be bitter, to be kind of frustrated, to be kind of switched off and think, well, I've already tried that. I've already done that. I don't think we ever arrive. We have to keep working. We have to keep struggling. And just so I'm not just going to pick on the old, I would say the danger of our young generation is that they're not expected to work anymore. That our culture has told them that they can just sit back and enjoy the ride. But when it comes to our spiritual walk, for no one can we do that. We can't just sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, as we age physically, we all begin to decay. I know it's a surprise to a lot of you, <laughs> but it's true. As, as you get older, you just start to slow down. A few years ago, I was playing... Um, rugby with some kids in the high school park or the high school field in, in Grenfell and I, I like to think I was pretty quick on my feet when I was younger and pretty agile and pretty dangerous on the rugby pitch man I was not moving very fast it, it was pathetic I wanted to run fast so bad but the legs just wouldn't go like they used to something happens to us as we age but studies have shown that if a person is diligent about exercise and stretching and strength training, they're showing that you can actually extend your, your healthy years a lot longer than we thought, right? I see some heads nodding. Yeah, it's true. But that doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen sitting on the couch eating Cheetos every night. It takes work. And it's the same with our spiritual life. 
If you think you can just sit back and cruise, you're sorely mistaken. As we will see in just a moment, for Paul, the scriptures tell us that if we want to stay on track, if we want to stay healthy, there's a cost. You have to work. You will have to engage. You will have to be disciplined. So let's read this morning. And if you're wondering why am I reading scripture from a piece of paper, well, this is I love doing this when I prepare. Actually, when I read any scripture, I love to print it out because then I can scribble all over it and I can write on it and I can underline things. And Plus, this is, well, this is maybe the real reason. My eyes are getting bad. And the font in some of these Bibles, it's like, come on, seriously? Like, who can read that? April, can you read that with your fancy glasses? But we'll go with it. It's fun to underline, okay? All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Let's pray before we read. Lord, we thank you for your word. And God, much more than I want anyone to hear what I have to say or what I think, God, I want them to hear your voice. Would you sharpen us and strengthen us and give us clarity? Would you build us up as we hear your word? And God, would you speak through your word in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, Colossians 1, verse 24, we're going to read all the way to chapter 2, verse 5. Verse 24, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So as I said when I started this series, there is no way that I can unpack everything that Paul says here. It is so dense. It is in, it's incredible writing. And there's a reason people spend their lives just studying the epistles. I mean, it's just, only God could do this, right? It's just incredible. But what I do want to do this morning is attempt to just zoom out a little bit 
and pick out a few broad strokes that Paul talks about here that I think is really important for us to see. Kind of a, a, a theme here as we walk out our walk with Christ. So the first thing I want to pick out is how, how Paul, what Paul's work is like as he works to share the gospel, as he works for the Colossian church. I want to pick out some words that describe how he works. Okay? Four words. Verse 24. I rejoice in what I am suffering. Put that word in your mind. If you take notes, write that word down. Suffering. Verse 25. I have become its servant. Suffering servant. Verse 29. To this end, I strenuously contend. Suffering servant strenuously. In chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how hard I am contending. So you have these four words of Paul describing his work. Suffering, a servant, strenuously, and contending. This is what the life of a believer ought to look like. I think Paul is teaching by example. He's saying, guys, look at how I live. Look how hard I work. He's straining, he's working, he's laboring for the message of the gospel to go out. Serving God, serving the gospel message, has a cost. We started with wonder, and now it turns into work. It doesn't sound so wonderful anymore. But this is what it means to follow God, to work. Okay, that's one broad stroke. The next broad stroke that I want to make is found in verse 5 of chapter 2. What delights Paul? Two, thing, two thoughts I want to pick out. Paul says this in verse 5. I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined, disciplined, that's the first one, disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So disciplined firm in faith. That's not sitting back on the couch anymore, is it? Disciplined. Paul's delighting to see their discipline, how firm they are in faith. Why would you need to be firm in faith? Because you're facing things that are difficult. It's not easy faith, it's firm in faith. It's hard there's going to be things we face in our walk as believers that are difficult. Life is not going to be a cakewalk as a believer. It's going to be hard. Okay, so two broad strokes. Paul's difficult, straining, striving. The next broad stroke, for us to follow God, we must be disciplined. We must have firm faith. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a cruise. It's going to be a struggle. The next broad stroke, what enables us and what enables Paul to do this? How can we do this? How can we fight through and strive and strain and contend? The next broad stroke I want to notice, and there's other words that a person could pick out, but here's the ones that really jumped out at me. Starting at verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches 
the glorious riches of this mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glorious riches, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 29, Paul says, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. What makes it possible for us to strive, to strain, to be disciplined, to have that firm faith in the midst of storms? What makes it possible? Is it my strength alone? How how can I do this? What is Paul teaching us here? As we discipline ourselves, as as we try Christ in us, he gives us the strength. This mystery that was hidden to the other generations, the prophets wanted to figure it out. Because of Christ and what he did, he can now live inside me. This mystery, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So what enables us to do this? Remember that Christ that we looked at last week, the wonder, that supernova steam engine Christ who could make anything and build anything and create anything, could sustain anything, came and died for us on the cross, how, they, how he came into as a man, as fully God. Remember that Christ that did all that, that we turned and worshipped and wondered at? Somehow, that's the Christ that lives in me. So that whatever I face, as I turn in faith to struggle and fight against it, I'm not alone. That Christ lives in you, lives in me. It starts to feel wonderful again, doesn't it? No matter what I face, I'm not alone. No matter how hard it could get, I am not alone. I will not face it on my own strength. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So let's look at it again. Paul describes how he strains and struggles for the gospel. Leading by example. It's tough. The Christian life is tough slugging. Sharing the gospel, doing the work of God. And many of you know it's tough. It gets hard. Paul delights in their discipline and how they're firm in faith. And all of this is powered by the engine of Christ. The steam engine is in me. The steam engine is in me. All that strength is in me. And so we wonder again. And I, I think honestly there's a cycle as, as the believer, as a believer. There's moments of wonder at Christ and worship and then we get into work and we dig in and then as we dig in farther, we're faced with Christ again in a fresh way and we see him and we see his wonder again. And then it doesn't make us want to sit back, does it? It makes us want to press in more. And, I think, and then again, I think we'd see the wonder of Christ again. But it all requires that we work. Paul is saying that to guard your hearts, to stay strong, you must work. You must be disciplined. And if there is any doubt in your mind or you don't like that, if that doesn't sound like the right idea 
that frustrates you or you don't agree with me, here's two scriptures to write down. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 to 16. I don't have time to read it this morning. 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 16. And then 2 Peter 1, verses 3 to 10. If you doubt the Christian life takes discipline, you read those two passages and then you come and talk to me. It takes hard work. Is it just a coincidence that the word disciple sounds a whole lot like discipline? It's tough. It's tough slugging. And as people shared a few weeks ago, I, I still think that was an awesome Sunday when people shared just what, real life, what it's like to try and follow Jesus. It's tough slugging sometimes. I forget who said it, but someone said sometimes it's boring and it just feels tough. I had a saying written on my wall. I had a little workout room in our house in Grenfell. I had a bunch of writing like, things written on my wall to kind of motivate me. And one of them, I loved it. It said, when you lack motivation, be consistent. When you lack motivation, be consistent. And I thought, when things don't feel so wonderful, get to work. Because I think there'll come a time when through your work and through your struggling and through your trial, you're going to come face to face again with that wonderful Christ. And there's seasons of both. When you lack motivation, be consistent. You say, Pastor Dave, what do I need to do this week? Having heard this scripture, what do I need to do this week, Pastor Dave? I would say, be disciplined this week. Do you read your Bible every day? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> be careful. Maybe I should have asked, who doesn't read their Bible every day? You know what? Make an effort this week to read your Bible. And I'm not saying you have to read eight chapters a day or a book a day. You know what? If you're new to the, reading the Bible and it's, it seems fresh to you, start with the book of John. Actually, you know what? Start with the book of Mark. They would say that it was supposed to tell young boys to read the book of Mark. It's quick. It's got all the action. There's no fluff. It just gets right into things. You know, start with the book of Mark. Read five verses a day. Read 10. Start with that. What else can I do, Pastor Dave? I already read my Bible. Well, pray every day. Try and pray every day this week. Five, ten minutes. Hey, if it's all new and it's a trial, put two minutes on your phone timer and give it a go. Just pray. Just talk to God for two minutes. You say, Pastor Dave, I already do all that stuff. What do I do next? Gather with someone else. Pray together, read your Bible together, pray for each other. Find a way to get into a community with someone. Come to the, one of the Bible studies. Engage. And you say, Pastor Dave, I already do all that stuff. What else do I do? Start reading your Bible. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. Look at Christian character. Then start looking at your own life. And say, God, what do I need to work on? If you think, hey, I'm perfect. Ask your best friend or ask your spouse and say, honestly, tell me, what do I need to work on? And if they love you, they will tell you. And then say, Holy Spirit, help me. 
Start to discipline yourself. You know what? I probably didn't even, di- didn't even need to say all that because I, I bet most of us know what we need to do. The Holy Spirit's already whispering to you or already has, and he's put his finger on something and he said, I want you to work on that. Maybe it's time to start to work. What do we do as a body? What do we do as a leadership team? What do we do as a community of believers? Having heard this message, what do we do? I think we need to stop promoting and seeking a culture of comfort in the church. And I'm not pointing my fingers at KZMC. I'm talking about the church in Canada. For far too long, we have sought out a culture of comfort and consumeristic experience. Come in, it won't be stressful, we won't expect anything of you, and you can leave and come back next week. I would say this church is doing a whole lot better than a lot of others, but I think we have, we have room to grow. We're losing young kids. We're losing our teens. We're losing our young adults. They grow up and many leave the church. Not, I'm not pointing my fingers at you guys, but the church in general in Canada, we're losing the young generation. Why is that? Because we're not calling them to something higher. There is no expectation. There is no mission. There is no sense of adventure. Young people want adventure. They want a challenge. They want to know, how can I make a difference? They want to know, what do I need to pick up to carry down the field to make a difference in the world? You tell them, they'll do it, and then they'll come back to you and say, now what? And you say, pick up that even bigger one and carry it down the field and make a difference. That's what they long for. If I had any doubt about this, my son Peter taught me this week. The kids want a challenge. They want to make a difference. So he'd been watching me and and my other son Mason and Judah ride the unicycle that we have, or try to ride. And then Peter said, Dad, I want to try. I said, well, go ahead. Give it a try, buddy. So he spent a day on it, crashed, fell, couldn't get it to work. And then I came home at the end of the day and I was watching him and I thought, this unicycle is way too big for him. There's no way. I mean, he couldn't even get his foot to the bottom. And so I said, Peter, we're going to buy another one for you. So we bought a smaller one. And two days of skin knees and scratched shins and a cut foot and sore hands and sore legs, I come home and he's riding the unicycle down the street. Better than me. Which is annoying because I've been trying for like five years to learn how to ride it. But that heart is in every young person. I'm not not just for stupid things like riding a unicycle, but that heart of adventure, that heart of try, that heart of, I want to make a difference. And if we've sold them a picture of Christianity, which doesn't involve adventure, doesn't involve a trial, what do you think they're going to do when they get older? They're going to go find that somewhere else. When the greatest adventure, the greatest challenge they could have could be in the body of Christ, serving the wonderful Jesus, making a difference in the world. I'll tell two stories and then I'll be done. 
I was actually talking to someone this week about this story, which is why it was fresh in my mind. But there's a story about uh, a U.S. high school, and they had a recruitment day for the military. They had the, uh, the Army, the Air Force, and the Marines. The Army and the Air Force came into the gym, and they had 20 minutes to do their talk and show an exciting video and show how dynamic it could be to be in the Army or the Air Force. All right? And then the Marine came up. And he walked to the front of the stage and he went into a salute. And he stood there for 20 minutes, saluting the crowd. And when his 20-minute timer was ticking down, he dropped his hand and he said, only one or two of you has what it takes to join the Marines. And they set up three tables in the gymnasium for the kids to sign up. Guess which one had the longest line? by far. The Marines. I think in the heart of young people especially is this desire for challenge. We need to lead them and show them what it means to truly follow Jesus. That it is an adventure. That it does take work, but it's worth it. One more story I'll tell. One of my friends in in Grenfell that I got to know over the years uh, he is a man who, who struggled with all kinds of addictions and had lived a very tough life. I mean, the stories he told me of his life just would boggle your mind. And one day he was visiting me at the church and we were just talking and he noticed that in our church we had a baptismal tank at the back and we were filling it because we were having a, a baptism the next Sunday. And he looked in the sanctuary and he said, well, what's that? What's that about? I said, well, come, I'll show it to you. It's Kind of, it's like a hot tub at the back of the, at the back of the stage. It's kind of cool. So, we walked back there and we're looking at it and talked a little bit about baptism and when we were doing it and, and then he asked me a curious question. He said, well, "How much does that cost? How much do you charge for baptism?" And I said, uh, at first I said, "Oh, it doesn't. We don't charge for that. It doesn't cost anything." And then we were walking out of the sanctuary. And just as we got to the doors to go out, I said, wait a second. That's not true. It's not free. It's going to cost you everything. Your whole life. You make Jesus Lord, everything is his. Your life is his. You have to give everything if you want to follow him. That's what it means to follow Jesus. To give it all. There's a cost but it's worth it. What's the fruit? We get to know the wonderful Jesus. We get to experience him and know him and be close to him. It's worth it, but it's not going to be easy. I wrote this in my notes. I hope this isn't any kind of blasphemy. We are not to serve ourselves Our role as a Christian is not to serve ourselves. And dare I say, we are not just to serve Christ. Hear me out. We're not just to serve Christ. We are to serve like Christ. We are to give our lives. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to cost. 
And just before the worship team comes, I'll close with a, a quote from Menno Simons, kind of an important guy. I get to say now to us Mennonites. Right? Kind of an important dude, Menno Simons. He said this, If the head has to suffer such torture, anguish, misery, and pain, how shall his servants, children, and members expect peace and freedom as to their flesh? Let me read that again. If the head had to suffer such torture, anguish, misery, and pain, how shall his servants, children, and members expect peace and freedom as to their flesh? I'll say it again. It's kind of scary stuff, right? sounds tough, but the fruit is that we get to know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you won't get off track. You'll stay focused on him. God bless you. Have a great week.